you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everybody, it is Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're over draft season and we're on to fantasy draft season. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. We got Randy at the controls. And uh, yeah, we are... We're actually a couple days away from schedule release, if I'm uh, not mistaken. That comes out, uh, I think, on Thursday. And so then, Florio, I think once schedule release hits, then we are fully headlong into fantasy draft season. Yeah, that I mean, the bye weeks are really the last thing we're waiting on now. And it's like, not only is the schedule release a huge event, like every day another game gets announced. And it's just, it's just fun. You know, the NFL knows how to dominate headlines and stories like no one else. I, yeah, I uh, got a you know my text chain. One of my buddies was like, he, he had this realization yesterday. Like, I just realized training camp starts in like a couple of months. He's like, the shield really does dominate the entire calendar. I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, the quote unquote off season is maybe six weeks long. That's it. That's <laughs> it's like, it. it's like between the time between the schedule announcement and training camp like that's yeah. about it usually because you know we, i think you still have some otas and stuff i think you get like rookie mini camps and then usually about june 1st or so things kind of quiet down uh and then by mid-july we're we're into camp again so um yeah there i i'm old enough to remember when there was an actual off season those days are gone now uh, yeah they, they i mean it's up. it's may 11th and i woke up today and i saw a minimum of a hundred people posting the Tua to Tyreek throw with no pads on, <laughs> some shorts. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. It wasn't a good-looking throw. They probably shouldn't have chose to post that one. But, like, 
it's May 11th, and it's we're May all 11th, tweeting man. the same video. It's May. I mean, <laughs> look no further than one that video, but two the fact that you know Tom Brady signing a post retirement contract uh, to do to to broadcast uh, that dominated that dominated the news cycle. It's like this is a thing that's that's still not going to happen for at least a year, maybe two. Uh, yeah, we uh, we're thirsty for football news right now. Do you think uh, th- this is just kind of how my crazy brain works? I'm like, is Tom Brady going to now retire after this year? Should I get rid of him in my dynasty? Because I thought he'd play forever. But now he's got he's got a contract for more money than he made as a player. Just sitting yeah. there. like He's taking a pay I cut right now. Away. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's taking a pay cut right now playing for the Bucs. Um, you know, here's the thing. Under normal circumstances, I would be like, yeah, that's a weird thing to think about. But understanding <laughs> sort of how dynasty football managers operate and how you know, everyone's trying to read the tea leaves, eh, it fits. <laughs> it totally fits. Oh, man. All right. Uh, we got a plenty to talk about today. We're going to talk to Lance Zerline, who uh, does the majority, if not all, I think, of the uh, draft prospect profiles for NFL.com. He's a big part, has been a big part of our draft coverage for the last few years. So now that it's all over and guys have landed in spots, uh, Lance, who obviously watches a ton of football, does uh, sports talk radio down in Houston, I wanted to get him on, get his thoughts about some of these landing spots and what this could possibly mean for fantasy. He is uh, an avid fantasy player as well. So uh, looking forward to kind of getting his thoughts on some of these bigger name guys, some of the wide receivers and, and that sort of thing as well. So looking forward to that. Um, but we do have some news uh, that, that has happened in the last few days, like actual news, not just, you know, guys in bucket hats and shorts. Uh, under throwing passes to one another um in baltimore the ravens have uh, signed a one-year deal with mike davis formerly of the atlanta falcons he who was uh, basically rendered obsolete by cordero patterson last year so now he's in baltimore um i mean the first thought is what does this mean for guys like jk dobbins for gus edwards i mean it, it has already been sort of tough enough to parse through this Ravens backfield. Now they've got at least one more guy who, you know, at his best can still be kind of productive. What are we doing now? My, my initial response was this is a depth signing because the top two running backs on their depth chart are coming off of severe season ending injuries last year. So they want to have their bases covered and make sure that they're coming into the year with the, with healthy bodies that they can trust. Cause I, we saw last year, like they, Devonta Freeman played well and Le'Veon Bell didn't, but you know, like they had some guys that they were just trying and it, it never really stuck. So I think they want more depth at that position, but what else it tells me like Tyler Batty, it, they took him in the sixth round, Mike Davis. We know he's at least from his career, he's a running back that you could trust in the passing game. So is Batty. So to me, that's where I'm most concerned. Like, are, are they going to use Dobbins and Gus Edwards on the ground? And then do they do they want to have another option that they could trust a little bit more in the passing game? Because if that's the case, we know that's a huge blow for fantasy, especially in PPR leagues. And Marcus, I tweeted the other day that Gus Edwards, a running back who doesn't make a ton of money, who has an out in this year in his contract, and who's coming off of a severe injury, could potentially be cut. And my God, the mentions where you would have thought what I said, like they were like, how could Gus? And I'm like, 
I apologize. Fantasy <laughs> Twitter and, and Ravens Twitter feel a lot very highly about Gus Edwards. I, did, I didn't know Gus Edwards really brought out that strong kind of emotion in people. Um, Someone tweeted me. They were like, why, do, why of all the names you mentioned is Gus Edwards the one that people are shocked about? I was like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it, is, it is sort of amazing the things that set off fantasy Twitter uh, at times. You know, I mean. Keep going back to the the day I woke up and Amon Ross St. Brown was randomly the major topic of conversation <laughs> for some unknown reason. Um, I, I think, though, to your point, I, I do think that for Davis, he really is there sort of as an insurance policy, at least for now, right? I, I still think that, that J.K. Dobbins is going to be the lead guy, and uh, maybe this is the breakout year, right? I think everybody was was hoping and anticipating that last year was going to be the breakout year. As you mentioned, unfortunately su suffered the, the major injury uh, during the preseason, so we never got to see him. So maybe this is it now. Maybe they actually throw him the football like they have been planning to. They went out, uh, they did draft some offensive line help, so maybe that helps the running game a little bit. So I'm still sort of on the J.K. Dobbins bandwagon. Uh, I am curious to see what this means for Gus Edwards. I think you're right. This this is not great news for Tyler Batty, at least not in his, his rookie year. Um, but, you know, the Ravens sort of continuing the tradition of having a very loaded, very crowded backfield. And, you know, we're saying all this and, you know, obviously still Lamar Jackson, we know, is going to run the football as well. So there's there's plenty to kind of keep in mind. And maybe I guess the upside is that this sort of depresses ADPs for all of these guys uh, just because there may not be enough touches to go around. But but I'm, I'm still going to kind of lean toward Dobbins. Um, if I can get him, what fourth round? Does that seem plausible? Is that realistic for for J.K. Dobbins? I like I like him in the fourth round, but you know it always comes down to the fantasy hype. I I wouldn't be surprised. He's one of those players that I think, uh, as silly as it sounds, a video of him just running fast in like a straight line could shoot his ADP up like a whole round. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, all he has to do because it happens every summer, right? You show up wearing shorts, looking like you just finished leg day. Uh, and you've got like you know giant quads, and then you know your your ADP shoots up. So that, JK Dobbins that was Mike that. Davis a year ago. That was who, Mike Davis, who right? is now on the is backing up Dobbins. Yeah, I mean you know he was part of the quad squad. It was like him and and <laughs> AJ Dillon and uh, Saquon. Like that was all uh, a whole big thing for a while. So somebody's going to join the squad this year. I know it. I'm just curious as to who it will be. Um, more running back news. Sony Michelle. Uh, fresh off winning a Super Bowl with the Rams, now goes to Miami, which my first thought was they got Mike McDaniel, and they're basically just recreating uh, what what the 49ers had in terms of their running back room. Uh, they've got Sonny Michelle now. They've got Chase Edmonds. Uh, what they, they, they have so many guys down there. Um, is, is this the 49ers South, uh, and what are we doing with this backfield? Who are we targeting? So I, I do think it's the 49ers South in the regard that one, they're not going to care about our fantasy teams. Two, <laughs> they have so many guys and it could, in any given week, it could be one of them stepping up. Like right now they have Chase Edmonds, Michelle, uh, Raheem Mostert, Gaskin and Savan Ahmed are still there. And Malcolm Brown might still be there too. I don't even remember. Um, what, who am I targeting in this backfield right now? To be honest, no one. Like I, I think <laughs> I, I liked Chase Edmonds when he signed, and, and I understand that he received literally more than double. I, I think his contract is more than all of the other running backs put together. So he's the one with the highest ADP, and I understand why. But I don't like taking him as a high-end RB3 when we could see, uh, you know, uh, Raheem Mostert getting something like 
10 carries a week. We could see Sony Michelle stealing all the goal line work. So what this has really become to me is maybe I'll throw a late round dart throw at this backfield. Like if Raheem Mostert's going in like the 12th, 13th round, I'm, I'm cool taking a shot on that. But for the most part, I think this is going to be a mess for fantasy purposes. Uh, I guess the good news is Malcolm Brown is not there. So that's one okay. less that's one less body to worry about there. But there's still a lot of guys who, uh, while none of them, I think, are bona fide stud running backs, they're all pretty good, right? And, and you do wonder how they're going to kind of figure out the touches for all of them. Uh, when, when Mostert is healthy... Uh, he's a big play waiting to happen. I mean, an incredibly fast guy who who will break big plays all the time. We've seen Miles Gaskin over the last couple of years in Miami just kind of be a consistent, nice piece. We know what Sony Michelle did last year with the Rams. Again, not a stud, but you know when they had injuries, when Cam Akers went down, Sony Michelle was a really nice fill-in for him for most of the year. Um, there's just so many guys there that it's really hard to figure. And I think I think the upside for that is that we're going to see. Uh, a lot of guys waiting, a lot of a lot of drafters waiting to uh, to draft these guys. So maybe the the risk is not as great, uh, even if the reward doesn't necessarily come through. You're not spending a lot in draft capital uh, I, to add these guys. I also think we got to worry about Hiller Waddle being used in in the running game mm. a bit. Uh, obviously mm. not like a Debo Samuel, but like, do they get a couple of touches a game or something like that as an extension of the run game? Yeah, no, I, that is. I mean, it's enough to. To kind of screw everything up. Uh, so I'll say this, and you know, we're still sort of waiting for the ADPs to kind of catch up a little bit. Right now, Sony Michelle is an eighth round pick. This is on Fantasy Football Calculator, but obviously that that hasn't shifted yet with with him just signing. So that's going to change a little bit. But Chase Edmonds in the ninth round, Raheem Mostert sort of at the end of the ninth round. Edmonds at the top of the ninth, uh, Mostert near the end of the ninth, Gaskin in the tenth. So I think people are still trying to figure out where and how to slot these guys um but i do think that with with michelle now in miami everybody probably bumps down at least around maybe more uh the rest of the way um in new orleans uh, james winston back and a lot of talk that he's going to be the starter uh head coach dennis allen was asked about whether or not james would be ready to go starting week one and he said quote that's the plan or that's certainly the plan i should quote it properly um We've sort of hinted around this, and you know, you got Michael Thomas who is back and sending out weird cryptic tweets. I don't know, did you see his tweet from uh, from Monday? Something about turning mud into diamonds. I don't even know. I can't explain it. It was. I, I saw you. I actually I saw you quote tweet it. Yeah. To Denny Carter. That's the yeah. only reason I saw it. I don't follow Michael Thomas because it's too much. I don't either. I, I'll say this. I have a a column uh, on my tweet deck that. It's just a column devoted to like NFL player tweets. Um, so I don't follow him specifically, but I just happened to see that scroll through uh, my search column. And uh, for those of you who don't know, if you don't follow Denny Carter, who uh, is a, a friend of the show and, and does great work at NBC Sports Edge, uh, he, he put out a tweet a couple years ago uh, that basically categorized the types of tweets you get from NFL skill position players and, you know, quarterbacks saying sort of like how I love my team and whatever, uh, running backs talking about being on the grind and on the hustle. Uh, but the one that really sticks out is that wide receivers, I think the quote was, his, his fake quote was, the enemy speaks kindly and carries a knife. And the more I go through it, the more wide receiver tweets are all the sort of weird, cryptic, borderline sinister types of things. <laughs> 
Uh, and Michael Thomas definitely hit that with his uh, he, with his quote. He's the king of those tweets. Yeah. Um, in fact, I asked Danny about what was the inspiration. He said Michael Thomas and Stefan Diggs were kind of the inspiration <laughs> for uh, for his original tweet. Um, but that's neither here nor there. The whole point being, this is an offense that has some interesting pieces, but we don't really know what we're going to see from them. But Jameis being the starting quarterback, the last time we saw Jameis as a full-time season-long starter, he was going 30-30, and 30, not necessarily in a great way. What do we expect from him and the Saints this year? So I, I I don't view Jameis like I did a couple years ago where I'm like, he has the potential to be a QB1, but I think he can be a very reliable QB2. He'll have some big weeks. He'll have some not-so-big weeks. His stats were a little inflated last year because he had two games where he threw nine touchdowns, and I think the rest <laughs> of the year he had one game with multiple touchdowns. But he only had one game with over 250 yards. It was a really strange season. Like, he took care of the ball better than he ever had. And he, he converted him into touchdowns better than he ever had. But the yardage was weighed down. I, I think that could possibly change this year with potentially Michael Thomas, then Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, I think a lot of it, though, comes down to Michael Thomas's health and his situation. I've kind of been of the mindset, Marcus, that in the middle rounds, if there's a receiver who's going to make a jump similar to like not saying he'll be Cooper Cup, but like return W wide receiver one value as a mid round pick. Michael Thomas was one of my favorites to be that. I like Allen Robinson a lot as well for that. But um, now Michael Thomas's health is kind of up in the air for me with fantasy for Jameis Winston. I put him. I say in the QB twos, it's really the QB ones. I think are like 15 players deep this year. Um, and if I miss after those like 15, to me, there's a tier of guys I think that have a lot of upside. And it's like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson. I'll, I'll put Tua in that group. I'm fine if you want to put Jameis Winston in that group as like a uh, a QB two who can maybe make the jump to be like a borderline QB one. I think that's fine to value him, but I wouldn't really expect anything more than that yeah i think it's you know people talk about pitchers in baseball and that guys who you know guys can pitch at 94 95 but they occasionally touch 100 like Jameis is the guy who's probably gonna he's probably gonna play as a qb2 but occasionally he'll touch qb1 numbers right like i think that's sort of the way to look at him i think this year um and yeah last year looking at he, his first game of the season he threw five touchdowns against the packers had 148 yards but he threw five touchdowns uh and then he had a game in week five where he threw four touchdown passes um and everything else was you know zero two one 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 for Jameis. so there was definite inconsistency there uh we'll see if maybe having some different personnel makes him a little bit more uh consistent um before we hit the break we were talking about this before the show but uh we're talking about sam howell and uh, this this quote that I guess he doesn't eat. He has never had a steak or a burger. <clears throat> and it's not it's not, you know, it's not a vegetarian thing because he loves chicken. Uh, it's not, you know, a religious sort of thing where, you know, he, he abstains from it. He just doesn't. He just has never had an interest in trying it. Um, I know we we sort of ding guys for all sorts of crazy reasons in fantasy football. This feels like a reason to take, take Sam Howell off my draft board, though, because he just doesn't eat steak or burgers and has no interest in trying it. Completely agree. Like, the fact that <laughs> it, he's never even tried it. Like, that's what gets me. It's like, how did you grow up in America and never try a cheeseburger? Like, right? <laughs> that, that, and, and I... 
for like diet reasons, I only eat chicken during the week, but come the weekend, I'm like craving a burger or a steak. So I have no idea how this guy's gone 20 something years of life without ever having one. I just, I want his, you know, non-red meat eating origin story. Like there has to be something there. Like something has to have happened to him as a child uh, where he just had a bad experience or something and, or he saw one and it just looked gross. I, I just want to know. We want to know, Sam. Think- what do you think is more likely that he's actually has had a burger or a steak in his life or Tom Brady has actually had a strawberry? I'm I'm calling BS on the strawberry thing. <laughs> I just don't buy that. I, I say this all the time. Tom Brady grew up like an hour and a half from a town that has a very famous strawberry festival. Like, I don't understand how he's never had a strawberry. Like, I, I believe Sam Howell way more than I believe Tom Brady. That's all I'm saying. Sam Howell and Carson Wentz make for the the oddest quarterback room in the NFL. It's going to be a a strange quarterback room, man. Uh, All right. Uh, We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We will talk to Lance Zerline, uh, get his thoughts on the draft, and maybe how some of this impacts fantasy football as well in 2022. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Oh, we are happy to be joined now by Lance Zerline. And look, chances are if you went to NFL.com's draft tracker and you read any of the prospect profiles, you read Lance's work every year. Uh, he does yeoman's work putting together profiles for a ton of draft prospects uh, for NFL.com. But also uh, his actual main gig is uh, opining about all things Houston sports uh, down there in Houston on 97.5 FM. And uh, Lance, we appreciate your time. I know draft season... I- I would say it, it never ends. I guess it sort of slows down, but uh, do, it's ended for me. This is my <laughs> last draft thing that I'm doing. Awesome. This well, we pre- we appreciate being yeah. the last. I mean, what 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 is now for you though? Now that you are not staring at prospects day and night. Um, you know, I do my radio show, and then my wife and my kids at home find out they have a dad still and a husband. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been uh, I've been out of commissions from uh, I guess basically November. Through I work seven days a week, so um, I you know they see me intermittently from <laughs> sporadically at different times of the evening and morning, depending on uh, if it's weekends from uh, November all the way through April. But now wow. May hit, here we go. I'm here. here. We go. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess ask because you know every year we look at this these draft classes and. Th- there always seem to be sort of value judgments made early on, like this class is deep, this position's not so deep, what have you. Uh, for you, looking at so many guys, what, what were your overall thoughts, especially on the offensive skill position side, about what this draft class might be? Yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, I didn't love it for the wide receiver position relative mm-hmm. to what we've seen in the past. And you have to take a look at, you know, obviously situations are huge. We all know that certain situations could lend themselves to more productivity. I do think Traylon Burks, because of the way he's used, has a chance to get more touches 
than maybe any other wide receiver in this draft and because of who the quarterback is. Uh, he does a lot of lining up from um, – he can take the quick throws and turn them into yards after cat, yards after uh, catch, yards after contact. And so that's going to help Jalen Hurts. I think that's kind of a, a safety valve type of throw that we're going to see a lot more often. So that's going to help from a PPR standpoint. I think um, – and because you can align him in a lot of different places, he's used to it, there's going to be creative ways to get him the ball. Nick Soriani is that type of offensive mind, too. So I think that one makes a lot of sense. Um, once you get past that spot, you know, I'm still not – I think Carson Wentz is a creature of habit, so it will – it remains to be seen in terms of how Washington um, – how they utilize um, Garrett Wilson because – the guy who's going to be open, the guy who's the really polished route runner is obviously McLaurin. So I don't think he's going to get away from Terry McLaurin. I think once Carson Wentz finds a guy he really likes, I think he's going to stay with that kind of guy. So I, I'm not sure I love the spot for Wilson this year. Of course, I'm just speaking fantasy-related uh, right now. And then um, Chris Olave, I think that's an interesting one. But Jameis, you know, that's an awfully um, squeaky wheel on the other side of the field in Mike Thomas. So when Mike <laughs> Thomas makes it back, he's going to want his touches. So I, I'm curious about how Chris Olave, who I think is a great fit for the Saints, I'm curious to see how Jameis, if he can find the open receiver or if he just feels pressure to throw 120-plus targets Mike Thomas's way. You know, and, you, go, ahead, go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, uh, I know that, there was a talking point coming into the draft that this is a weak quarterback class, but a hot take coming into the draft was we might see one quarterback go in the first round. We ended up going two whole rounds with just one quarterback off the board. Why mm -hmm. do you think we saw such a long wait in between the quarterback picks? Well, I think it's pretty easy, actually. The reason is the, I think it's easy, and the reason is because teams view these players as not being quarterbacks they can win at the highest level with. And if you are going to risk your job, because history shows that when you draft a quarterback in the first round, um, a clock starts ticking on your job. And in some cases, the clock has already been ticking on your job. So, like, let's say if you're Matt Rule, the hourglass is halfway empty on Matt Rule right now in Carolina. If you were to draft a quarterback, for example, with the sixth pick that he didn't think could win at the highest level, um, I mean – if he drafted a quarterback, chances are he's going to be gone because whether you play him or not play him, it doesn't matter. You're probably not going to be able to win. If you're a if you're a guy who's just starting your job, um, let's say a general manager and a and a and a head coach, and I'm trying to think of a situation where it might make sense. Atlanta, let's say Atlanta, let's mm -hmm. say Atlanta grabbed uh, Pickett or Willis, for example. If you don't believe in them as the type of guys that can win at the highest level, well. Your job is now on the line as soon as you draft a first-round quarterback because if you don't develop them and they don't become quarterbacks, historically, and Brian Billick pointed this out to me and I did the research, I'm like, wow, Billick was right. Your, I mean, he, he got got, not on purpose, but Kyle Bowler got him back in the day. They drafted Kyle Bowler in the first round. And that's what happens historically. So I think basically the, the head coaches and the evaluators basically looked at the tape and they said, I don't believe that – I don't know how many had Kenny Pickett. You know, we know the Steelers did. But basically all these teams said, we think Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral or Sam Howell or 
Um, Malik Willis will get us fired if we draft him in the first round or maybe even in the second. So what they're basically saying is let's go all the way to the third. That gives us plausible deniability. That's a backup quarterback type selection. That's where you draft backups. And if they develop into uh, a starter, that's fine. If not, we have not spent as much draft capital. Um, you know, a first-round pick is a major, major pick. You get major players. The replacement value for a quarterback is going to be a player who's probably going to be a starter for you. So if you don't really believe in that quarterback, if you think they're going to get you fired, you punt and you play it next next year. Because here's the problem. When you draft a quarterback you don't believe in, you are going to commit a minimum of three years to that, that quarterback. So if if they don't get it done in three years, I mean, that's – how much is that going to hold you back? You can't make a judgment after one year. In most cases, obviously a new head coach came in and didn't want Josh Rosen, and they got Kyler Murray. That was a very unique situation. We know that. But um, in most cases, it's more like Sam Darnold where, okay, we got him for the first year. Okay, we see flashes. Let's see what happens second year. Not as good, but we need to surround them with better talent. Let's see what happens for the third year. And before you know it, you've spent at least three years trying to figure out that quarterback. So unless you really believe – and that was – a third pick of the draft if you don't really love a quarterback you don't want to give them that many years um, of your potential timeline because coaches get fired in that time frame now and so did GMs so, so all that being said right Kenny Pickett does go in the first round now mind you he goes to Pittsburgh where mm-hmm. they have been the picture of stability for decades I mean Mike Tomlin doesn't really seem like he's going anywhere um but the one thing about him, everybody talked about him sort of being a one-year wonder, having that one huge year of production at Pitt, uh, and kind of you know people wondering if that was a red flag. Do we make too much of that? I mean, we've seen Joe Burrow have like one great year at LSU and have success in the NFL. Kyler Murray had to sit behind Baker Mayfield. So have we, have we made too much of this one-year wonder thing with guys like Kenny Pickett? Well, I tell you what, I don't know, Marcus, because it, it depends on how you're looking at it. Right, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow was a one-year wonder who happened to maybe become who he was going to be. Like, There's so many parallels and similarities to Tom Brady, and I, I have tried to avoid it as much as I can. Tom Brady was not a dude coming out. At least he wasn't expected. He hadn't really had the opportunity. The difference between he and Joe is Joe got an opportunity, and maybe he's going to be a dude, even though he doesn't have special physical qualities. Uh, Tom Brady didn't have special physical qualities. We know the, the quarterback position is often not about the physical. Uh, it's, it's, it's being functional physically and elite mentally is a big part of it. Um, with Kenny Pickett, <clears throat> I think that that one year, so you got to go look at the tape and really dig in on it. 42-7, and seven, that's his touchdown to interceptions last year. The previous two years were 13-10. and 10. So it's 13-10, and 13-10, and 42-7. Immediately it hit my Joe Burrow radar because – Joe Burrow had what I believe to be, as a longtime sports talk host, this is the greatest turnaround in the history of sports that I've ever seen. And I'm I'm thinking of Jeremy Lin. Like, who are the different – like, has anyone made a jump like this ever in the history of any sport? And I don't think I've ever seen anyone go from what Joe Burrow was very pedestrian, very pedestrian the year before, to being this guy who, you know, who had 50, 60 touchdown passes – in a Heisman year and the first pick of the draft, like I had never seen a guy make that kind of jump. And it's an outlier. It's not normal. It's not going to be the case often. But I gave Kenny Pickett a chance. And when I watched it, uh, Kenny Pickett throws with better anticipation. And Mike, by the way, Mike Tomlin pointed these things out. He makes pro throws. He makes anticipatory throws. These are two things that Kenny Pickett 
did better than anyone else in a draft. I would agree with them on both of those. The area I'm concerned about is that he gets nervous feet. And he's been sacked a lot in the past, pressured a lot. And so sometimes you start seeing ghosts. Sometimes your internal clock gets a little jacked up and you start to sense pressure where there is none. I'm worried about that for him because the NFL um, defensive coordinators out there, if they get a smell, if they get any scent of of anxiety for Kenny Pickett in the pocket, they will absolutely 100% try to exploit that. So I do think Kenny Pickett has a chance to get some playing time. I do not think he's a fantasy option at all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does start, if he does get in, I think all it does is strengthen Najee Harris's uh, value because he's going to get so many dump downs just like last year. That That is a very interesting point there. And you talk about quarterback anomalies. Josh Allen is one. And a player that I was I heard compared to Josh Allen is Malik Willis because he has all the physical tools to be a great quarterback. A cannon of an arm can run like a, like the best quarterback in the NFL. Fantasy players were really hyping him up all draft season long. We heard rumors that he could go second, as high as second overall. Goes to the third round. Is his ceiling really as high as we and and many fantasy players believe? Once he gets on the field, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think it's. I don't. I think this Josh Allen ceiling's too high, um, but I do think the ceiling. I do think the ceiling. The floor is much much lower, but the ceiling is much higher. I think than any of the quarterbacks in this draft, because the ability to get points with your legs is just such a major factor in fantasy football right now. Um, the way quarterbacks are used, number one he gets the the accidental points and yardage when a play breaks down there are now more called plays than ever before for for running back for quarterbacks who can run and he is a guy who's built really thickly like he's a guy that can take on some punishment so i don't anticipate tennessee shying away from letting him run the football when he becomes a quarterback over there this is the thing for me with Malik Willis i do think there's um i do think there's fantasy value for Malik Willis not not this year, but in the very near future and from a dynasty standpoint, I do think so because I, I think that his, his offense at Liberty, number one, he had receivers that didn't separate very well, just like Josh Allen had. He had – now the big difference is Josh Allen, a lot was made of his accuracy issues. But the fact was from an A to B throw, what I call an everyday throw just from point to point – he actually wasn't that bad. A lot of it was he struggled because his anticipation wasn't great and his and his wide receivers couldn't separate for him. So he was thrown into a lot of closed windows. He was thrown into contested catches more than he should. Some of it was self-created by slow anticipation and, and timing, and some of it was created by wide receivers who simply weren't very good. And so uh, when he got to the, the pros, that all changed for him, and it was um, – you know, he still will have some times where he airmails it and he'll have some really bad throws, but it's nothing that absolutely kills him. With Malik Willis, I think you're going to see some similar, potentially some similar, uh, I think the running stuff will be very similar between the two. I think from a passing standpoint, Josh is, is a much better passer. Uh, Willis is still a, a very shaky decision maker at times on tape. He had three three-interception games at Liberty. Uh, his Middle Tennessee State game was awful. Ole Miss wasn't very good. So I think that's a very real concern for him right now is how does he handle you know, the decision-making, and then can they, get his, can they get his accuracy tightened up a little bit? But if they do, 
then he's got real dual threat potential to become uh, a major fantasy you know factor within the next uh, two to three years. And that's a team that's probably going to use him to his strengths, which means he will get carries as well. Uh, I want to ask you, it's kind of a, a philosophical question uh, about running backs at this point, because how we view them in fantasy, we still love them. We're still drafting running backs very high. Obviously, right. the NFL, they're not. I mean, you know, we, it's been, what, not since Saquon Barkley, I don't think we've seen a running back go in the top 20 uh, in, a, in a draft. That's been a few years now. Mm-hmm. Do you think in the foreseeable future we're going to see a running back go, say, in the top 20? And you know, I guess the fallout is, are we going to start to see maybe uh, talent gravitate away from the position just because it doesn't seem like the, the shelf life and the, you know, the fortune is there for running backs in the NFL? You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the things in doing – I've written up like 4,100 prospects uh, since I've started working at NFL.com. So I've seen a lot of different players, a lot of positions, a lot of body types. And one of the things that really stands out – from a body type standpoint is certain guys are built to play certain positions. Um, it's weird. Some running backs end up growing out of the position and, be- and they become linebackers because they get to be 230, 235 pounds. Um, Michael Parsons, I believe was a former running back. And it's funny when I watched him watch his tape, he looked like just a much bigger Saquon Barkley from his body to his build, his change of direction. Like there was some real freaky running back type movements that he had. I, I think running backs are running backs. Um, they're built different. They play differently. Their movements are different. So I don't know, Marcus, to that point about changing positions. I don't know if that's going to happen that much. I do think philosophically we may see some changes. And I know the analytics community has really pushed the don't draft a wide receiver in the first round hard. But I think when you start I, – I, I think we're over – I think that's an oversimplification, and here's why. The running back position, we know that year one, we have some very good running backs. The problem comes in year in contract number two. So contract one, running backs are typically good values wherever they get drafted. It doesn't usually matter. And yes, you can find running backs outside the first. I don't argue with that. That's a, an, an old Alex Gibbs outside zone axiom. And Denver <laughs> was, was one of the first ones to really show with Terrell Davis, and he was a six-round pick. I think TD was special. But, you know, Orlandis Gary, I played fantasy a long time and seen some guys come up and here in Houston, uh, Arian Foster. I mean, he was an undrafted free agent, and he was in the outside zone scheme that we see with San Francisco. You see um, Washington uses some of it, uh, but the heavy uh, Minnesota does. Now Dalvin was a second-round pick, but they gave him the second contract. The problem I see, Marcus, and why I think there could be a change is if you have – if you have two first-round picks or you have a good football team that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, I think once you get past the 20s, running back should be in play. And here's why. A running back shelf life, if you look at them historically, you could say a really good running back six to seven years of strong football. If you draft a running back in the first round, you now have club control for five years. So you have five years, which typically are going to be their prime years. Then if a player is really going well, you get that sixth year by giving them franchise tag, which is still pretty good money. It's one of the lowest franchise tags you have. And you could even go franchise a second time. Now, if you don't draft the if you don't draft the running back in the first round, you get four years, and then you got to make a decision. I think if you draft in the first round, you have five plus one plus one. You have as many as seven potential years for the running back, at least four, five if they're good, six if you want to 
pick up a franchise tag on him. By then, you can move on to the next running back. So I kind of look at it differently that I think it's actually a value proposition to keep a really good running back for the true prime, which is going to be typically five to seven years max. And it's a better way than, than getting to a second contract that really hasn't made a lot of sense with a lot of running backs, honestly. So I actually think the more interesting thing to me is going to be if more teams start looking at the wide receiver position like Green Bay has for years and said, you know what, although we're going to switch it up, we're going to draft wide receivers and then we're going to start letting them walk second contract or we're going to trade them. So what I think could happen and what we've seen happen this year is we may be in the midst of a brand new revolution where guys draft. Now, maybe it'll force them to draft wide receivers earlier, a really good wide receiver, and say, you know what, let's get them. Let's get as much as we can for them. And then, I mean, let's uh, let's get as much as we can out of them. Then when they invariably ask for that second contract early, we'll move them and get a first for them. So they kind of pay for themselves in essence. That may be the way teams start doing this, or they may it may go the way of running back where more teams start saying, look at the supply side on the wide receiver position. The supply side's outstanding now coming out of college football. Why are we going to pay big second contracts when the supply side is so high and we can keep a labor cost down at that position and pay for quarterbacks and pass rushers and cornerbacks? So I, I do think what's happening this offseason with the wide receiver position is something to keep in mind. And from a fantasy standpoint, it can have a big impact because, you know, A.J. Brown going from Tannehill to Jalen Hurts and that offense, maybe he doesn't get as many targets now. You know, you have to take a look at, at what the fit looks like. Uh, and some of these guys, Tyreek Hill, I don't think Tyreek is – I know what they're saying over in Miami. I just know that offense. And that offense typically, you know, it's built – once it gets around the end zone, it's built around the running game. It's not really built on the passing game. So – I'm curious if Tyreek Hill is still going to put up similar numbers to what he did in KC. Well, in no shade, but the Tua Tagovailoa is, is no Patrick Mahomes. That's, <laughs> that's shade or no, it's just the truth. <laughs> right, exactly. Tua has been getting roasted on uh, on Twitter enough this morning, but uh, to, to your point, Lance, I think drafts this year are going to be more interesting than ever with all the quarterback and wide receiver movement. Wide receivers are going off the board earlier than ever in the NFL draft. I think that could be the case in fantasy drafts, too. Uh, with these incoming rookies, though, do you see a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson type receiver in this group? And if not, who do you think can have like an immediate year one impact? Uh, absolutely not. There's not one of those guys in this draft. Um, Jameson Williams could have had maybe a big time impact depending on how golf clicked with him quickly um I I think he'll come back this year I just don't know when it's going to be Chris Olave has the opportunity but I don't think the situation is going to be right um I do think London Drake I mean Drake London could be interesting but the problem is I don't love the quarterback situation there and the passing so when you add everything up the two that make the most sense are going to be you know I think I said earlier Garrett Wilson Garrett Wilson where did Garrett Wilson go the Jets Jets. Yeah, the Jets. Okay, yeah. I was thinking of Jahan Dotson. I think Jahan Dotson is the one who's got to play um, opposite McLaurin, and he's going to get all the action over there. As far as um, 
as far as Garrett Wilson is concerned, yeah, I completely miss. I'm, I'm mixing up my own fantasy, mock dra- <laughs> my own mock drafts, like my final mock drafts. Makes you but, feel better. I've done it multiple oh, times on this show. All good. Gosh, it's <laughs> unbelievable because I've gone through so many scenarios of wide receivers. So we have to scratch out a whole segment. But um, <laughs> no, actually, I think now looking back at it, Garrett, Wil- Garrett Wilson with Zach Wilson actually could be a sneaky good combination with the Jets because Garrett can get vertical and that's what Zach loves more than anything is throwing the ball vertically, throwing it up for grabs. And Garrett Wilson's a great ball winner. Traylon Burks, I think is a, in a similar situation. Talked to him about it a little earlier. Um, I don't love the spot for Christian Watson. I don't think I love it for Drake London this year. Olave should be in a good spot, but I think Mike Thomas is going to demand the ball uh, a lot. That's, Jahan Dotson could be, it could be a good situation, but to my point earlier, if Carson Wentz likes uh, Terry McLaurin, then McLaurin's going to get a ton of the targets. That's how I think that's how Carson Wentz is going to roll. But Sky Moore is a very interesting wide receiver because he's as polished a receiver as um, Pat Mahomes has had. So he could come in right away, I think, and start getting some touches. And then um, I like I like Khalil Shakir in Buffalo. I just don't think this year is going to be the year. But from a dynasty standpoint, he's a guy that you might want to hang on to. Uh, John Mechie could be one of those types of guys who could be a a higher PPR type guy. Maybe not as many touchdowns or yards per catch, but you may see more targets for him when the knee is healthy. Uh, But George Pickens is a guy that you really have to keep an eye on for the long term because remember that Pickens was out for most of last year. So next year he's going to be much healthier. And Kenny Pickett may end up being a guy who really clicks with him and and that could be, you know, that could be a, a combination to really watch in the future. Uh, kind of along those lines, I know you, you you mentioned Christian Watson and, you know, kind of being so-so on him. I know you kind of like Romeo Dubs that they drafted a little bit later. I mean, uh, yeah. does, does, he have a, does he have a chance to maybe do some things with Aaron Rodgers up there? So I think Aaron Rodgers will end up trusting him more quickly than Watson, who has shaky hands and is kind of a limited route runner at this particular time. I just think Dubs is more um, – he's more polished – he has good, strong hands. He can win the ball in the air. He has good body control. My issue with him is separation and getting off a of press. But the difference is, and, and really the, the vertical speed, but with Aaron Rodgers, he can throw you open. Like that's one of the rare situations where if you can win a contested catch, just like Alan Lazard, he can really run, and yet he can get catches over there. Aaron can throw you open. So if Aaron Rodgers trusts you, you could end up being a more important target to that team than expected. And I think Dubs plays the game with good body control, hand strength, and the ability to win some contested catches. And, you know, he's just kind of a, a, a more polished player than Christian Watson. So it wouldn't shock me if Aaron Rodgers had more confidence in Dubs coming out of Nevada and I think the fourth round. And maybe he was the guy that maybe had a little better production than Watson in year one. Uh, as we let you go, Lance, we certainly appreciate the time and the knowledge and, and the whole conversation. Uh, you're down there in Houston. Uh, I mean, I know the Texans are still a little ways away from, from fielding a, you know, a contending team, but uh, I mean, guys like Davis Mills, Damian Pierce, what, mm-hmm. what should we expect from this offense this year? I think Mills is going to get an opportunity to really, um, we're going to see what he's made of because there were flashes that were really exciting. And there were other times it was like, I don't know. Um, that's normal for a rookie quarterback. And remember, he had only had 11 total starts coming out of college. So um, with Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton, if, if Pep can get the running game going, I think Davis is going to be a more effective 
quarterback. He's one to keep an eye on. I don't think he's one from a fantasy standpoint where he's going to hit the radar for anyone, maybe as a backup, you know, during a, a bye week type season. But if he plays well this year, I think he's somebody you're going to have to potentially factor in uh, in his third year from a fantasy standpoint. Damian Pierce, I don't expect him to get enough touches to be a major factor. Nico Collins, maybe wide receiver four, wide receiver five type stuff. But Brandon Cooks looks like the guy. I mean, you still got to have a guy that you really like. They just re-upped with Brandon Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks, who has been a consistent producer in fantasy football, no matter where he's been, I think he is a guy that has some wide receiver three uh, potential on in a lot of leagues. It's nice to see him stick in one place, too. It's amazing that a guy – as consistently productive as Brandon Cooks seemed to be team hopping as much as bounce, he has. Bounce, kind of bounce, bounce, yeah, no question. Yeah, uh, Lance, again, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, love all the work you're doing for NFL.com. And uh, go take your time to reintroduce yourself to your family, man. <laughs> well, hopefully my daughter and, remembers what I look like. <laughs> hey, man, take your care, Your shirt Lance. is amazing, by the way. Oh. Yeah, it's from the Warriors. Although this is the least – it looked like the toughest. So it's the uh, – it just says freaks come out at night. And it's the baseball furies from the, the baseball Warriors. furies, and, right? And the baseball furies had the bats, but like, like they got their ass kicked in about they didn't, <laughs> they forty-eight did seconds. I mean, yeah, the I Warriors mean, went right through them. Aside from like, like coming out looking like, aside from yeah. coming out looking like the Yankees, I mean, that was that was about the only thing intimidating about them. They did nothing know, else they intimidating, with, and they looked like I thought, oh, these are going to be the toughest guys. They were maybe the easiest that the Warriors <laughs> had. To, the strength of schedule got a lot tougher after the baseball furies. Trust the me. baseball furies. Thing the video game fixed. They made them a lot harder to beat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. See, so the baseball furies ain't played nobody. I mean, that's just kind no, of how no. it is. So, that's uh, what hey, it is. Lance, take care, man. Appreciate it. And hopefully, we'll uh, maybe next draft season we can catch up with you at some point. Sounds too. good. I'll be around. Thanks to Lance Zerline for his time. Uh, I hopefully hope he gets to uh, enjoy a summer with the family because November will be here before you know. I mean, November is like six months away, dude. Like he's gonna get summer with his family in like early fall, and he goes back into the bunker to start like you know scouting prospects for next year. Oh, you said November six months away, and I was like, oh man, because like it feels like the season's still a good deal. Like yesterday, Nicolette was like. Don't you wish it was Christmas time? And I was like, no, no, I, I love Christmas time, but I'm happy with it being May right now. <laughs> right, exactly. I look, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I, I'm doing some mock drafts in the next couple of days. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some stuff for uh, our pal Bob Harris and Emil Catlick over at the guys at the, at Football Diehards. Uh, and it just hit me. I'm like, wow, we have a, I have a mock draft to do today, and I, I've got some things I, I have to write. Like, we have hit that time of the year. I was just, you know, I was like getting ready to exhale, and I'm like, no. No, we, we still have stuff to do. <laughs> so, there is no exhale in the world of fantasy football. There really, really <laughs> isn't. For better or for worse. Hey, look, man, it, it, uh, it keeps food on the table and it, you know, keeps, keeps the lights on. So I'm, I'm not complaining about that. Um, anyway, go check out Lance. You can find him on Twitter at Lance Zerline. That's Z-I-E-R-L-E-I-N. Um, and then, uh, yeah, if you're here in Houston, I'm sure you've heard him probably on the radio as well. Uh, in the meantime, for us, that is it. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Take a deep breath if you can. And we'll talk to you next week. Wow. Wow. Wow.